Well, good morning, everybody. So glad you're here today as we continue a series we kicked off last week, talking about all the, uh, the things that we believe God is planning to do this year uh, through the bridge and, uh, and hopefully in your own life. Uh, as we're talking about vision and the 2020 vision, and we, we, we kicked it off last week really asking a question. It was more of a general question for all of us to consider, uh, but here was the question. What is your dream or hope for 2020? Do you, do you have a dream? Do you have a hope? Uh, do you want to do something significant? Have you let yourself go down that road to, to really try to think about doing something, uh, some huge significant goal or dream? See, a lot of times I think we uh, tend to settle for things that are less than what we had hoped for just because of fear or because of too many unanswered questions or just life gets in the way. Uh, but this year, is there some goal or something that you want to try to accomplish that's significant that you've determined not going to let those things get in the way this year? You know, one of the things that we, I've noticed is that people who tend to uh, establish some big goal or dream out there and they accomplish it, it's usually because of a domino effect that's been created in their life. Whereas they, they, they see what they want to accomplish and they see all the different steps that might be involved in getting there. And they one by one begin knocking down those steps like dominoes. And as each one begins to fall, there's more energy and more momentum created. And pretty soon they're able to realize their goal or their dream that at one time they might have thought, ah, I don't know that I'll ever get there. But the domino effect really did create some energy behind trying to accomplish that thing. And for most of us, it's a matter of getting off, you know, getting off, you know, standing still and getting moving forward. And most of the time we give up before we ever start. Um, but the domino effect really does help us get going. And so the domino effect question that we talked about last week was this. What is the one thing, it's coming, what is the one thing I can do today that moves me closer to my dream? So instead of looking down the road and seeing this big, huge goal or dream, and I'm just going to try to jump out there and grab it, what's one thing I can do today that just moves me one step closer? It doesn't move me way, way down the road. It's just one step closer to realizing my dream. Because once you begin taking that step, then the next step, then the next step, pretty soon you do have that domino effect that's been created. And before long, you're accomplishing things that at one time you thought was impossible to accomplish. So what is it this year for you? What are you trying to accomplish? What's the dream or the hope that you have for this year? We, we also said that when you look at the, the scripture, especially the New Testament, that God has a dream for how his church is to be perceived in the world. That, that, that when you see clues of this throughout the New Testament, that God, when he looks at Christ's followers in the world, his church in the world, there is a way that he dreamed about that we would be perceived in this world. And a lot of times it's not, not exactly the way we are perceived in this world. It's a little bit different than the way we're perceived. And we said there are three elements to that last week that we talked about. That his church, his dream for a church is a place where everyone is welcome, everyone is serving, and everyone is changed. And, and you know, when you think about people gathering together in a, a church type setting, a religious type setting. Being welcome is not what a lot of people say they experience. Because people who have given up on church or decided they weren't ever going to go back, it's because they went there and they didn't feel welcome. They felt like they were the only person in the room that had any issues. 
But the truth is we all have issues. We all have baggage. And so we want to be a place that says, hey, it's okay to not be okay here. Just come on. You're welcome here. I mean, have you ever had a relationship with someone that they were constantly pointing out your issues, but not their own issues? And they acted almost as if they didn't have any issues, but if you would ever fix your issues, then everything would be okay. When you find that person, run, okay? Because it is not a healthy situation, all right? And the same is true for churches. When you walk in some place that's constantly talking about your issues, but not claiming to have any themselves, it's probably not a very welcoming environment. And we really don't ever want to be that kind of place. We want to be a place that welcomes everyone. We want to be a place where everyone is plugged in, serving. That, that we want to be, as, especially as Christ followers, we want to be spiritual contributors and not just spiritual consumers. Not just all about me, but I want to be able to give back. I want to be able to, to throw my life in and, and, and accomplish something significant with my life. And so we want to be spiritual contributors. And then everyone's changed. As everyone is welcome and everyone is serving and everyone has changed, we really do create this place that can become a bridge of hope to our world and our community. And that's the goal. That's the goal for us as a bridge, to be a bridge of hope. Because when you look through this world, hope is one thing that everybody wants. And at some point, everybody needs. Hope is something that this world is desperate for. Hope for a better tomorrow, hope for better relationships, hope for eternity, hope for a better spirit and soul. Hope is what we all need at some point. And the more we can show people, you know what, this place welcomes you. We want to throw our life in together. And we're hoping every one of us has changed along the way. You do really become a bridge of hope in our community and in our world. And so we talked about those things last week as we got started. And today I want to talk to you kind of continue on with that a little bit. And there was an occasion in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus was pulling his disciples together and was talking to them. And he begins really talking about or giving a vital component to what this church, this dream that God has of what a church is to be like. It's a key component to this that sometimes we might overlook or maybe you've even been led to believe it was something different than this. But Jesus, he calls his disciples together. He begins asking them, a question. And here's what it says in the uh, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16. It says that when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? In other words, who, who do they say I am? What's, what's the word on the street? What are they saying out there? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. They're saying, listen, the word on the street that we've been hearing is what people are saying. They're saying you're like John the Baptist or maybe one of the prophets from the Old Testament. You know, that's kind of the person, the prophet, kind of person you are. And then Jesus asked a very poignant question. He says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And see, ultimately, that's the question all of us have to answer. It really is the ultimate question. It's the most important question we'll ever answer. Who do you say that Jesus is? It's bigger than anything that you can answer related to whether or not you've done good things or bad things. It's bigger than your church attendance. It's bigger than any of those things. Who do you personally say that Jesus is to you? That's the question he asked these guys. And Simon Peter tended to be the spokesperson for the group more times than not. And he decides to speak up. And here's what he said. 
The very next verse. So Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. In other words, he's saying, you didn't learn this in a book. No one taught you this. No one came to you and said, hey, this guy you're following, here's who he is. You didn't learn that from flesh and blood. The way you got this information is directly from my father in heaven. And what's interesting about that is that more times than not, when I talk to people about who do you think Jesus is, a lot of times people will say, well, he's a good guy. He was a good teacher. He was maybe even a prophet from God. And Jesus never claimed to be any of those things. He never claimed to be a good teacher, never claimed to be a good prophet or a prophet from God. The claim that he made was, I am God in the flesh. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. That's the only claim that Jesus made. And in this setting... If it wasn't true, this was a perfect opportunity for Jesus to say, hey, get, 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 get. ratchet back the whole Messiah stuff. That's not true of me. I don't know what you're thinking, but no, no, I'm just a good guy. I'm just a prophet. I'm just a good teacher. Not only did he not correct Peter, but he gave Peter credit from getting that answer directly from God, our Heavenly Father. So he's saying, you're exactly right. And God, our Heavenly Father, is the one that told you that. And this is what he says then. And I tell you that you are Peter. Now, that word Peter is a word that means rock, okay? So, he was the first rock, all right? He said, you are rock. And then he says, and upon this rock, I will build my church. So, he, are you saying he's going to build it on Peter because Peter's name is rock? Well, no, he play, it's a play on words here. Here's what he does. He says, you are Peter, and he uses the word for rock. It's a word that means stone or pebble. And he said, upon this rock, and that's a different word he uses here for rock. It's a, it's a word that means a foundational stone or a big immovable mountain or boulder. It's a totally different word. So he's not saying upon you, pebble, that I'm going to build my church. He's saying on this huge immovable foundational stone. What is that movable, immovable stone? It is the confession that Peter had just made. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. He said on that statement, on that confession, it will become the foundation of something brand new. It will become the foundation of my church. Now that word church is a Greek word. It's the word ekklesia. It is a word that means a gathering or an assembly. Now this was a fairly common word. It wasn't just used in religious settings, even though we tend to think of it in religious settings. In this particular day, the word ecclesia was any kind of gathering that was called together for any reason. It could be a social reason. It could be a political reason. So ecclesia was used periodically, but Jesus now puts it in a different context. He said, upon this rock, upon the confession that you just made, I'm going to build a different assembly. I'm going to build a different gathering. I'm going to build a movement of people. And it will be so strong that Hades, and Hades is basically the realm of the dead. In other words, he's saying people are going to come, people are going to go, death is going to happen, but not even death itself is going to be able to stop this movement of people that I'm going to build. It will not prevail against it. This movement will become such 
that it will, it will gain strength and people will come against it. People will try to stomp it out. Leaders will come and go along the way, but it will keep moving. It will keep growing. Momentum will keep building. And there is nothing that will ever be able to stop it. Then in the book of Acts, which is the fifth book in the New Testament, and Acts is basically the Acts of the Apostles or Acts of the New Testament church. So this first church that got going, it's a chronicling of the, the different things that took place in that first church. In the book of Acts, you see this, this movement of people growing and building, all based on this foundational stone of a confession that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And on that, thousands and thousands and thousands of people were committing their heart and life to Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And here we are 2,000 years later, and for the last 2,000 years, God has used <laughs> fallible, imperfect people to partner with to keep this movement going and to travel throughout the world telling everyone about the love and grace and hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And here we are as a part of that today. 2,000 years later, and right now today, this weekend, millions of people all around the world will gather together. And the common bond that we all share is not our, necessarily our race or ethnicity. It's not necessarily our, our, our place of our birth, or our origin of birth. It's not necessarily the way we have our services, the way we do worship. It's not any of those things. The common bond that we share all around the world is that one confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. It is the bond that holds us together. That is the movement. That is the church. And the reason it can never be stomped, stomped out is because it was never based on this leader over here, that leader over here, this particular doctrine over here, this thing that we're teaching over here, but based completely on the person of Jesus and an event that happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus died and was resurrected and it changed everything. It changed everything. There was a dead man walking and lives were being changed. Thousands of people were flocking to him and it continues to be the case today. And so it's out of this dream of what God has for a church that we really began looking at the way we, we do our ministry here and how we want to be a part of how God looks at the church and how we want to be viewed in the same way that God talks about, how we want to be viewed that way in, in the world. And so we began making some different shifts in how we do ministry. And, and about 16, 17, 18 years ago, we made the first big shift in our ministry. And that's to, to become much more of a, of a place that, that, that cared about the needs of those who feel far from God. In fact, we wanted to try to create a weekend service that, that people who feel far from God or feel like they've been burned by churches or they've never even been to a church, that they could come to a, a place that, and feel welcome, that they would actually enjoy it, that they would come and they would even leave and say, I don't even know if I agree with anything they talked about, but I had fun, so I'll go back. We wanted to create a place where those who feel far from God would wanna come. Wanted, wanted to create a place that really made an emphasis on not so much the, the rules-based, you know, performance-based religion that so many people feel like is a part of our world, 
but more about the grace and love and hope that's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It was a completely shift in the way we think about our ministry and how we do, how we do church, how we conduct ourselves in the world. We want to be a place that welcomed everyone. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what issues you have, doesn't matter what baggage you're carrying. Because we all have our own stuff. We're all dealing with it together. And we're trying to discover how to live a, a life that, that God wants us to live and deal with the things in our life at the same time. And we're learning together. But everyone is welcome. Now, as a result of that, there were a lot of church people that left, but it made room for a lot of other people to be able to come. And that's what happened. And many started coming. In fact, it, it, it really began taking off to where so many people who felt far from God were coming and their lives were being changed. And the stories were unbelievable of how God was transforming their lives, much like Alicia's story that you heard earlier today. How God just changed her life, changed her heart, given her a hope through his grace, not through his judgment, but through his grace and his mercy. And so much so that we had to make another shift in the way we're doing our ministry. And that was about six and a half years ago. And, and we were looking at, we had space limitations. There were so many people that were coming. We were trying to figure out what do we do with that? Do we build some more buildings here on our property or what do we do? And we felt led that God wanted us to do something that none of us had ever done before. Uh, none of us on staff had ever done anything like this before. It was way out of our comfort zone. We knew nothing about it. We'd never even been on staff at a church that had done anything like what we did before. And so we felt led to start a second campus. And we had zero experience in starting second campuses. But we felt like this was where God wanted us to, to go and wanted us to do. And part of the reason for that is that we realized that you know, the, the, the whole mindset of just build a huge campus and just try to get as many people to come. Well, it works for the people that are close by, but if there were studies that would say that 80% of Christ followers won't drive 20 minutes to go to a church. And so if you live 20 minutes beyond where we are, then as a Christ follower, you're probably not going to come, much less if you felt far from God, why would you drive that far? And so we really felt like there was an opportunity to plant a, a location in what used to be the Palladium Theater, now the Regal Theater on the Grand Parkway. And so we did that six and a half years ago. And since then, uh, what God has done has just been absolutely amazing. Um, God has just continued to reach people, continue to grow. In fact, uh, our attendance has doubled and the number of people that have gotten baptized has quadrupled every year. And the reason baptism is so important is because it really does symbolize life change. And that's what every one of those numbers or measurements were. They were lives that were being changed. Now families that are being changed, relationships that are being changed because of a person who came to know Jesus as our savior. And it's been unbelievable. It's been amazing, which actually led us to a third shift that we began thinking about and contemplating. And that started about three or four years ago. And we began thinking about would God want us to do this again? Would God want us to continue uh, planting other congregations, planting other locations, much like we had done with the Regal Campus? 
And we began praying through that. Is this something that God would want us to do? And about two, three years ago, we really began sensing, yes, this is probably something that God wants us to do. And so where would that be? And so we really began praying about different locations. We had about two or three different locations we were praying about. And eventually we felt that God was narrowing it down to a specific area and a specific location. And I want to talk to you about that for a little bit today. But the area and the location is in Fulcher. And Fulcher is about 20 minutes west of our Regal campus. And, uh, and, and God really began to hone us in on that particular location. And we, we have, we've been working diligently uh, with a plan and through a plan of launching a third campus of the bridge in the fall of this year in Fulcher. And I want to talk to you about that. Um, and actually, I want to give you um, five confirmations that we feel like God has given us for why we would do something like this in Fulcher. Um, and and, and I, I want you to understand it, just to understand that this is a dream that I think that God still wants us to continue to pursue. And it's big, it's significant, it's huge. And it's one of those things that if God doesn't come through and provide, um, I don't know that we can pull it off on our own. And truthfully, if you're going to attempt some goal that you don't need God for, it's not that big of a goal, I think. So, so we're, we're glad that we're in a position of needing, you know, God to come through. Uh, but we've been working through this plan. I want to give you these five confirmations of why, um, why we believe God is leading us to, to Fulcher. Um, the first one is just the growth projections of Fulcher. Um, again, either way, we have a map of where our churches are located. Um, on the bottom right is where we are today. That's Sugarland location. And then you see the Grand Parkway, the middle one. That's our Regal location. And then Fulcher is up on the top top left and each one is about 20 minutes apart from each other um, so that's just outside that range or whatever of people driving um, but the growth projections of of Fulcher area is becoming one of the fastest growing areas in our in the Houston uh, you know the the, the the greater Houston area um, because the same reason that Sugarland and places like Katy were growing so fast in the years past because Houston just continues to move west and people keep moving into the area. And as they do, people keep moving further and further west. And Fulcher is now one of those next places where that's taking place. In fact, uh, currently there's about 18,000 people that live in Fulcher proper. About 10,000 of those people claim no church affiliation. Um, in the next 10 years, so this decade, uh, that's projected to quadruple. So over the next 10 years, there's projected to be somewhere 75,000 or so people in the, in the Fulcher proper with about 40,000 of them uh, not claiming any kind of church affiliation. Uh, so those growth projections are, are things that we look at and go, hey, this may be a place that we feel like God might be leading us toward in planting another location. Just so many people moving into that area and so many of them um, not really claiming to have any kind of church affiliation and possibly feel far from God. So that's, a, that's one of the confirmations that we were looking for. The, 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 the second thing that we began looking at is the fact that there is already a bridge presence there. And we have people that attend our Regal campus that live out in that area. And that's a huge thing because when you talk about your, your community, you have a different level of passion for it as opposed to, I'm just going out where other people live. And so having people that call the bridge their home that are already living there, that really is some confirmation for us to wanna, uh, to wanna look at possibly doing something there. Um, the third thing that we looked at, the third confirmation, is uh, what I call location and favor. 
And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Um, as we were looking at, how, you know, starting another campus, um, we decided to look at something that, uh, the things that we looked at was, number one, movie theaters. And because we have a little bit of experience with movie theaters now that we didn't six and a half years ago. Uh, so we feel a level of comfort there. And so we looked for places that would have a movie theater or public schools. Um, public schools tend to have a lot of space that's not used a lot on Sundays. And, uh, and so we looked at both of those kind of venues. And uh, when we looked at Fulcher, Fulcher High School um, was built in 2016. It's a brand new high school, beautiful campus. Um, Joel Owens is our, our family ministry director. Um, and he and I went on, in April of 2018, we went out and met with the principal. The principal is a guy named Dan Ward. Dan has been a part of all of his career as principal. He's been a part of turnaround situations. Uh, so they would find a, a school that was not doing very well. They would send Dan in. Um, and after a period of time, the, the school would turn around and then they'd move Dan to another turnaround situation. And this is the first school that he's ever been the principal of where it wasn't a turnaround situation. And in fact, they brought him in a year ahead of the school opening so that he could get the school just the way he wanted it and felt like it would, you know, uh, perform the best. And so he is a great guy. Um, he and his assistant principals, they've all opened their arms to us and said, we'd love to have you guys out here. We're excited about you guys being out here. This past fall, right before school started, we, uh, we went out and provided lunch for all the teachers. And um, we asked Dan if that would be something that we could do. And he was like, absolutely. They like eating, so we would love for you guys to pay for it. I said, no problem. And so they didn't even know who it was that was providing. It's just fajitas, so we'll eat, you know. And so um, and all the teachers began coming into the cafeteria area, and they were going through getting the fajitas. And um, it was interesting. I, I had walked out into the hallway and gotten some water, and I was walking back in and came up behind one of the tables, and, and there were four people sitting there, two people from the math department, two people from the science department. And one of the ladies was talking. <clears throat> this is what I walk up on. Uh, I hear her saying, well, I used to be a teetotaler until I moved to Texas. I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, I said, this is an interesting conversation. Let me stop here. And, uh, and, and, and she says something like, right, or something. I said, yeah, I, I hear you. And she's like, especially driving on I-10 at rush hour, you know. And, and so she's just talking and talking about, you know, happy hour. And, you know, she, she told, still not knowing who we were. Um, she, she, she offered the suggestion that we have a margarita machine or, um, and I, I said, yeah, that's probably a good suggestion. She said, or nothing, nothing else, you know, at least a, you know, happy hour you know, passes or whatever at local place. I said, yeah, well, something to consider. I'll put that down in the suggestion box. Um, so, so I carried on with them a little bit and then I, I, I walked away and, and um, a little bit later, Dan introduces me and <laughs> He, he introduced me as a pastor of a church that that uh, church was thinking about starting a, another location there in their on their campus and and um, and asked me gave me an open mic asked me if I would uh, pray for the teachers and 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 say a blessing for the food and so I did and I and I, I basically just talked about that yes we were planning to, to launch a, another campus here and um, but that we really just wanted to be there for them, that, that um, they do such an incredible job and we just want to be available to help them in any way we can. And that's why we provided the meal. And so I prayed. And as I was standing there, as, as they were different ones were leaving and they were just saying, you know, thank you for the food, thank you for the food. And <laughs> I looked up at one particular point and here's this lady and she has this look on her face like, you had to be a preacher, didn't you? Yeah. 
And I just looked at her and said, what? And she said, she said, that whole preacher thing would have been good information for me to know. And, uh, and then she said, am I going to hell? I said, not from drinking, you're not. Um, I said, that's just, uh, uh, whoever's told you that is not, they're, they're not accurate on that. And, um, and she began talking about her former church experience and how um, judgmental it was and that her son is actually not willing to even go to church anymore because of that. But then she said, um, if your church is anywhere close to what you described, um, I think that's the kind of church that he would be willing to go to. And I said, I said, well, I hope that that would be the kind of place that, that, that he would be comfortable coming to. And um, she said, asked me when we were planning on launching and I told her what we were thinking. And she said, would you just make sure that I know when you do and I will have my family there. And I said, I sure will. And to, to me, it's just, again, it's a cool story, but it's just that how God is just opening those doors and how he's giving favor in those places like that um, with teachers and principals uh, and the location. So, um, so those, those, that, that'd be another kind of confirmation that we looked at. Um, the fourth confirmation that we looked at is the fact that Regal has grown. Our Regal campus has grown tremendously in six and a half years. Um, we, uh, we sent about 100 people over to launch the Regal campus. And Kenny Dean, who is the campus pastor there, will tell you that he effectively in a couple of months had grown that to about 85. And, uh, and, and, but then God began to do some, some neat things. And um, we started, like I said, we sent 100 people over there. And we started um, with three theaters, I believe. Um, we had an adult worship theater and we had two children's theaters. And, uh, and we had one um, worship time. Um, today we have, I think we're, we're leasing seven theaters, even though we're using nine. Um, and, and, um, we're in, in the, the, the adult worships in the largest theater they have. And there are three services that happen every Sunday at nine, 10 and 11. Um, it's just amazing how many people, um, God is just, is, is you bringing to that place, um, that many of them, felt far from God. Many of them given up on church. Many of them, the only reason they went there is because it was a theater, uh, not because it was some church building. And um, um, God is using it in an amazing way. But that's created some space limitations because Regal has not opened up the other side of their theater to us yet. Um, and so we have limitations there on Sundays that knowing that probably a, a, a number of the people um, that make up a launch team will come out of the Regal um, group that frees up a little bit of space um, in, in the Regal Theater. So that, that is a, a big thing. That's a confirmation of why uh, we would even think about doing something like this. Um, and then the, the fifth reason, the fifth confirmation, it's just the heart of the bridge. Uh, you guys have been so amazing. And you have such a heart for people, especially people that would feel far from God. In fact, you, you so symbolize that core value that we have. It's one of our core values that we want to reach people that feel far from God. And we, we say about that, that we'll, we'll do anything short of sin to reach them. I think some of you are probably willing to sin to do that. Um, um, but it's just, it's just a heart that says everyone's welcome. That, that, that God really does have a plan for your life. God, 
God's love and his mercy and his grace is just so unbelievable. And, and your heart for wanting to see people come and just welcome him, them when they come, no matter what, where they're coming from or what they've done, how you cheer for people when they get baptized, how you encourage people, just that heart that says we want to reach out to more and more. We want to be that bridge of hope. Um, that's huge. That's huge. And if that wasn't present, um, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be such an easy thing to try to go and, and, and launch another campus. Um, the heart of our staff, um, we have a, a staff that's a, a, a very tenured staff, which if you don't, if you've not been around church world, it doesn't make any you know, big impact to you, but um, church world, the, the revolving door of staff is just really high, okay? And, and um, you know, the average tenure, I think of pastors is like two to three years, um, much less staff members. And so um, you have a, a staff here that not only are they the most gifted, talented, um, strong group of people that I've ever worked with, um, but they're, they're, they've been here a number of years. And it, that doesn't do anything other than tell you they're not going to give up on the vision anytime soon. They're not going to be bailing on this thing anytime soon. Um, that they really do believe in what God has been doing and the vision that God has given us as a bridge. And after about a year or almost a year and a half of searching for um, the right person to lead this third campus, we finally have uh, found that person. Um, and um, it's, a, it's a guy named Chuck, uh, Chuck Butler. Chuck and his wife, Amy, they have four kids. They currently live in Arkansas. Um, he's been on staff at a church there in Arkansas for the last 12 years. And before that, he was on a staff at a church in, in Euless, Texas, and was on staff there with Kenny Dean, our campus pastor at Regal. So Kenny recommended him. He came highly recommended through Kenny. And we began pursuing that relationship and really fell in love with he and his family and believe he is the perfect person. Um, he meshes well with our staff and the DNA of our church. And uh, we really, we're excited. He's, uh, this, today is his last Sunday in Arkansas in the church there. And he'll be here this next week. And we're super excited about having him on board. Uh, but he just continues to add to the strong staff that, that the bridge has already. Um, so it's these, it's these kind of confirmations. If there's just one or two of them, eh, you know, maybe, maybe not. But it just is so compelling that God would have us go out and try to reach people in a different place um, with the model that he's given us as a church. Um, it's very compelling. And so we're looking to do that in the fall of this year. Now, the big question you might ask is, because uh, I know you're asking this, how can I be a part of that? How can I help? I'm glad you're asking that kind of question. There are actually uh, three ways that, that you can be a part of this. Um, the first way is you can step out. And stepping out means that you step out to be a part of the launch team that goes out to Fulcher. Um, and we would just ask you, if you're going to do that, we would ask you to, to be a part of that team for one year. Um, now, we said that with, with the Regal. We said, just be a part of it for one year, and the majority of them never, never came back. They stayed there for one year, two years, now six and a half years. So 
<clears throat> it might happen with you. I'm just telling you, okay? Uh, but um, if you feel like that this would be something that God would want you to do, it'd be a part. There's so many different ministry areas and ministry needs that we have in launching this campus. Uh, God would want you to be a part of that. Uh, then that would be one huge way that you could be a part of this launch is by stepping out and being a part of the launch team. Um, the, the second way would be to step up. Uh, as people are stepping out, uh, more, more than likely they're leaving ministry positions here uh, where they're serving currently and we need others that will step in and fill those spots. And so if you've been thinking about getting plugged in and serving in some way here at the bridge, this is a perfect opportunity for you to do that. Um, and we would love for you to be a part of that because right now, um, we have probably 60 or so percent of the people who attend on a regular basis that are plugged in serving somewhere. And truthfully, the way we do ministry here is that we, we couldn't do it without that many people plugged in serving. Uh, but you're on the front lines of life change when you step up and serve. And so I would encourage you to step up and uh, to, to be involved in the ministry needs around here at the bridge. And then the third way, it would be to give. Um, I wish that we could launch a campus without it costing anything. Uh, I hadn't figured out how to do that yet. Um, but it will, there's, there's a cost. There's a cost to um, staffing. There's a cost to leasing. There's a cost to equipment. All the things that we would need to, uh, to make a campus launch. And uh, we're, over the next two years, we're, we're raising or, or attempting to raise $2 million for two years. Uh, that would help us launch this campus. It would provide the funds that we would need for two years. Uh, hopefully by then giving would be such that it would help, you know, sustain the, the ministry needs there. And here's the truth. If everybody that calls the bridge their home, if you gave $100 a month, $1,200 a year, $2,400 in two years, we could totally fund what we need to fund for this campus launch. Now, I realize that some of you can do better than that. Some of you can give more than that. But for some, it might be that that's, that's all you could do. And, and we wanted to try to create an easy on-ramp for everyone to give. You say, why is that so important? Because I really do believe that the heart of who God is is to give. I mean, the, the most famous verse in the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's just the heart of who God is. And the more we're, we give, the more, you know, we're like the heart of God. And I'm not asking you to give to me. I'm asking you to give to seeing many more people's lives changed. Um, the gifts that you give, that many of you are so generous, the gifts that you give now are what allows us to see so many people in their lives that have been changed over the, over the years. And so I'm so thankful for your generosity. Um, but that is a third way that you can be involved in this launch of this new campus. Now, every, every seat hopefully has a domino in it or, or what looks like a domino. Um, if you'll grab one of these, this is, for, this is for you. So this is for you to take home and I'm encouraging you to take this home. Uh, on one side of it, you have one and three. Uh, that's two different things it stands for. It stands for one church and three locations. That's what we're praying about. Uh, right now we have one church and two locations, but we, we wanna have one church and three locations. It also is one vision with three ways that you can be involved. Uh, so the one and three stands for a couple of different things there. And then on the other side, it talks about hope. And that's what we want to be as a bridge of hope um, in our community and our world. And I want you to take this with you and keep it somewhere where you will see it. Um, if it's at your workplace, if it's at your home somewhere, if it's carried in your pocket or whatever. But keep it somewhere where you will see it. Because every time you see it, would you just pray? Pray for the bridge. Pray that God would continue to lead us. 
I pray that this launch would be such that, that, that we see many people um, who feel far from God, that would, they would find the hope of Jesus Christ through the launch of the bridge there. Just pray that God would give us wisdom and boldness, um, just that God would just guide our steps. And every time you see this, would you just, would you just say a, a word of prayer? Doesn't have to be some long drawn out thing, but just say some kind of prayer as we move toward trying to be a bridge of hope in this year. Um, next Sunday when we come together, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to, between now and then, just to pray about how you might be involved. And it, it, you might say, well, at this point, I don't know that I can. Okay, that's great. That's great. I hope you'll just keep coming. But, but maybe you would pray about it and God would say, you can be involved in either stepping out or stepping up or, or giving. And next week when we come together, um, I just ask you to, to come ready to make that kind of commitment uh, that, that you're willing to say, yep, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to be a part of that. Now, we're not going to check everybody at the door make sure you made a commitment before you leave. That's not what we're doing. But I just want you to pray about it. Is this something that God would want you to be a part of, be involved in? Because I, I believe that God has a big dream for the bridge this year. And I'm super, super excited about what God is going to do and how he's leading us and about the lives that are going to be changed. And um, I hope you'll join with me in that excitement. Let me pray for us, okay?